Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the AEW Collision Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by Andy Murray from What Culture to review everything that happened on this weekend's episode of AEW Collision. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AEW Collision, but also AEW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0. Oh, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete. A quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, they're joined by Andy Murray to review AEW Collision from the weekend. What did you make of it? Hmm. Hmm. Others the same. I'm enjoying Collision so far. I think this was a good show. Yeah. Um, great main event. Really great main event. Really great angle that we'll cover. Uh I don't think it was any kind of blow away. I've not really had that from Collision yet. I've not really had a week where, you know, like the best episodes of Dynamite, you're just absolutely buzzing afterwards. Mm. It's fireworks. It's it's like interlocking stories and everything else. And, you know, when, when AEW peaks, which it doesn't always do, obviously, because that's how peaks work. <laughs> They're not constant. Um, when AEW Weekly Television peaks, it's the best, for me, the best weekly show on TV. Uh, I've not really had that vibe from Collision yet. However... I am starting to notice things with the way it's presented and things with the way the wrestlers work mm. uh, that are making it feel sufficiently distinct from Dynamite. Um, there's definitely, like, on Collision, and so far, and it's only three episodes, right? So it's a really small sample size, mm-hmm. which means it's too early to draw conclusions. But so far, the wrestling style is a lot more grounded, mm-hmm. it seems. Like, we've not really had a big flippy match yet. No. And look, I love a big flippy match. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, but it's nice to have a bit of a different flavor. And it's nice to have, in the main event scene, this more considered approach to wrestling, which I think kind of comes with the territory when CM Punk is the guy the show's built around. Um, but yeah, you're just crawling with insects at the moment. What's I've, going on with you? I've cut through. <laughs> to get back into the office after lunchtime, I've cut through a bit of grass, and now I'm covered in... <laughs> Green, Green flies, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I you always obviously you can really tell the difference between dynamite and and collision. I don't know whether that is one of the reasons why we haven't come in and raved about collision as much as as we do dynamite when it peaks, because when dynamite peaks, it's like you say, so breathless. Yeah. It's so like, and this happened, and this, and and this. Whereas like collision is kind of like. Yeah, match, match, match. Maybe a bit of an angle. Yeah, it's been a bit of a slower show so yeah. far, which I think is a good thing in a lot of ways because... Love the commentary. Yeah, like, it's it's different again, again. Yeah. It's different, like, Kevin and, and Nigel and then this week CM Punk in the main event. Yeah, I, I kind of appreciate that slower approach sometimes because, like, 
on on a week where Dynamite doesn't quite work out, it feels like Tony has tried to shove the show with about 30 ideas yeah. too many. And it's like, you know, we've all we've had those weeks where things don't land and we move on straight away when something big's just happened. And it's been like, blah, 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 blah. like sometimes he needs to chill. And this is a bit more of a chill show so far. Yeah. Maybe that's Brian Danielson's influence. Uh, yeah, in I will happily bit. attribute it to him. Yeah. Um, but let's dive straight into it because the show opened with the world champion, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, in action. And I thought, wow, this already makes it stand out going compared to Rampage. We talked a little bit about that on the ramp, uh, on the uh, collision <laughs> preview uh, at the end of last week. Um, and then I was a little bit disappointed because I only got to watch MJF wrestle for about 30 seconds because he <laughs> Jumped all over uh, uh, Ontario native Kip Morris. Kip Morris. Uh, beat him up, hit the heat seeker, and then decided, oh, I'm not going to pin him. I'm going to tap him out with a cross face. Uh, not only that, he's dressed in red, white, and blue in Canada, of course. Freak. And I thought, oh, well, I mean, they did technically say he was going to wrestle. And then obviously, I don't think they advertise his opponent, and that's always a giveaway when that sort yeah. of thing happens. MGF will be in action. He's going to crush the dude. That's, yeah. that's how it works. Um but it was all about what came after, really. He grabs the mic, he takes the piss out of Canada. He's supposed to have the day off, he had to come to crappy-ass Hamilton, uh, which is filled with the dumbest, most worthless pieces of trash he's ever seen. Uh, and he said, you know what? I'm feeling so so good, though, right now. I'll beat anyone who wor- walks through that curtain who's from Hamilton. And you know what? Just to make it even more interesting, I'll put my world title on the line. And a big lad comes out, big lummox, but before he can get down to the ring, here comes Ethan Page. He goes, I'm taking this. Um, he grabs a mic uh, and uh, MJF goes to say, oh, this is cute. And uh, Ethan Page just slaps it out of his hands. <laughs> uh, and he says, look, I know you were about to say I'm not on your level, uh, but no one knows what I'm capable of. I want to remind everyone of the cut, the cloth that I'm cut from. He talks about being from round here. Uh, these parts. Father had a job down the road. Um, he uh, his family told him to be happy, as that's all he can do. But he was taught never to uh, listen to people like that. The lazy, the spoon-fed, the chosen. MGF uh, is not like Ethan's father, who went on to be president of uh, multiple companies. Um, and he's not like MGF. He ain't a bare minimum bitch. <laughs> It's a good um, line. Bare minimum bitch. I like that. Yeah. Ethan said, uh, MGF is not his world champion. Uh, when the company needs something, they don't call you. They call Ethan Page. I'm always here for the fans mm. for the company for the letters A-E-W. Um, Ethan, why, Ethan's wife uh, asked him when he was going to pay it, when the company was going to pay him back for all the extra stuff that he does. Uh, and Ethan said, in due time, well, that time's now, MJF, be a man, put your title on the line right here, right now. MJF accepts, and the match is made official. Rude, very rude Ooh, of Ethan yeah. Page to uh, interrupt your very good friend, MJF, <laughs> in the heat of the moment here. This was a really good bit of business across the board, wasn't yeah. it? Um, like, I, I said, uh, was it on WrestleCulture when we were talking about I don't know, maybe it was just in the office that MJF, one of the things he doesn't really get enough credit for because he doesn't do them often. This guy's a pantheon to your squash artist. Like, he's so great at just murdering fools. Yeah. Like, there's different approaches to squash wrestling. There's the old Ric Flair approach back in the day was kind of he'd give the jobber some some stuff like you know mm. he'd sell for them a little bit and he'd put them away after like a little bit of a struggle a little bit like the Miro match later yeah yeah for sure that's a good comparison point like if you go watch like old 
Crockett studio shows yeah. and stuff. There's so many different approaches. Like Ronnie Garvin would eat people alive. <laughs> Ric Flair would be like, no, I'm going to give you some stuff. Like I'm going to let you do, do a, bit, a few bits and pieces. Uh, Kenny Omega did that with Alan Angels the other year. And now uh, we put like a bunch of weird guys online oh, pretended gosh. like he'd ruined wrestling because uh, he went six minutes and decided to give someone on the undercard a bit of shine. <laughs> um, MGF has the complete opposite approach. He just destroys people and it's great. It's absolutely fantastic. Like he trucked the guy at the bell. The sheer level of disdain MGF treated poor Kip Morris with here was glorious. It, pulling out of the pinfall, completely unnecessary. You didn't need to do any of this. No. The one move would have been enough, brother, but it was uh, all the better for it. And like Ethan Page, it's really cool when they do stuff like this because Ethan Page is a guy who on this, like he's a very talented guy, great character in particular, great, great talker, great wrestler. Um, but the kind of guy who could easily just get lost on the mid-card forever and ever in AEW because the roster is so huge and they've got loads of talented people on the roster. However, when you're in his hometown, absolutely make the most of that yeah. and deliver a cool thing like this where he gets to cut a, just a phenomenal babyface promo here. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to be incredibly hypocritical here because whenever I'm normally in here with the Dadleys, we shoot on impromptu matches and what have you. But I much preferred this way round, because I think if we'd have sat here on Friday and said, there's going to be a world title match, MJF versus Ethan Page, we know why they're doing it, like you say, you're in Canada. Yeah. But also, we, it would have come with all the baggage of like, uh, yeah, are they still doing that bollocks with Matt Hardy? Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's obviously not just not a believable title match, and oh, why are they even bothering sort of thing. This way round, A, you got to kind of hit a nice reset on Ethan Page's character, get him away from all that bollocks he's done with the Hardy lot for so long now. It just felt yeah. like such a nice cleaning of the slate here uh, and set up a really enjoyable title match. Like, I was, you know, 99.9% .9 convinced that Maxwell Jacob Friedman was going to walk out with the world title. Obviously, mm -hmm. you wouldn't mm -hmm. do all the stuff that they've done with him and then have him just drop it randomly. But at the same time, they got me into it through the way that they worked it and through... MJF taking Ethan Page a little bit too light, lightly. Yeah. Um, and, and despite the fact that, yeah, I know he's already wrestled once, so technically he's at a disadvantage, but he's barely broken a sweat. The fact he immediately started cutting corners. So Page gets him off the crucifix powerbomb. MJF jumps off and just targets the knee <laughs> of, uh, of Ethan Page, <laughs> works it over. Um, and then Page comes back, hits a jawbreaker, gets back into it, shocks him. Um, he keeps... Getting caught, though, does Ethan Page. He, he, uh, MJF catches him coming out of the corner, hits an Alabama slam and puts him in a half crab. And it looks like maybe he's just going to tap there and there and then. And he keeps trying to get out and getting pulled back in. Eventually, he makes it to the ropes. Uh, but MJF, because he's the best, sells. <laughs> Bloody hell, that's, that was really tiring, actually. So it has to also, it's, whilst Ethan Page is buggered now, that did take it out of me. Look at the size of Ethan Page dragging him around the ring and trying yeah. to get him to submit. Good stuff. We go to a break, we come back. Uh, Page catch him, uh, catches MJF with a cutter. Um, Page fights through the pain. Clotheslines. Uh, Rana takes over. Um, hits an iconoclasm into a vertical power slam to get a great near fall. He goes to the ego's edge. Uh, MJF gets out of it. Walks straight into a twist of fate. We can't fully get away from all the hardy bollocks. He's contractually obliged to you, or is it the other way around? I don't. I can't remember. Yeah, I, never I, can never, I can never. I can never know. remember. Never know or care. <laughs> Page goes up top. You guys are burial artists on this show, it's man. Him. Wow. It's this one. <laughs> it's... Michael Sidgwick, not the biggest Matt Hardy fan. You're pointing at an empty chair. I'm yes. like, all right. 
<laughs> Page goes up top, but gets crotched. MJF goes for a superplex, but Page brilliantly fights out of it and power slams MJF for a great two count. Goes to the ego's edge, but oh no, the leg gives out. Uh, and MJF, learning from his match at Forbidden Door, as they pointed mm. out on commentary, uh, dragon screw leg whips Page in the ropes, uh, hits him with the heat seeker. One, two, three. Yeah, he's like Mega Man. When he defeats a foe, he absorbs their skills. <laughs> now he has the uh, dragon screw screw leg whip uh, that Tanahashi has used extensively over the years. Uh, really good bit of business across the board. It's just how you have to take advantage of things like this because, mm. like things like being in a wrestler's hometown, is so simple. Mm-hmm. But wrestling did it for so. For so long, wrestling did it so wrong. Yes. And when I say wrestling, I mean the other company that dominated the market before this yeah. company opened. Um, that it still stands out when you just do nice by someone in their hometown. Also, a really good point way to just pivot Ethan Page into something else. And like you say, get away from the, the hardy stuff and maybe into a babyface run full time. Because like his promo was sensational. And he, he's kind of sensational every single time he gets a chance to do that. Mm. Um whether he's playing heel or face or whatever, uh, some of his stuff opposite Darby in this company and in Evolve and elsewhere, uh, sensational character work. Yeah. Stuff opposite Johnny Gargano in uh, Evolve is something I always go back to as well, which is well worth checking out for anyone who's listening who maybe hasn't seen that mm. before. Uh, it's kind of like, feels like worlds collide stuff in this day and age <laughs> when everyone is signed to different promotions. But yeah, like I'm really was really happy with this. It was just good-ass TV wrestling, really sound, logical psychology throughout this, the face-heel dynamic, all of that stuff. It's what you get from MJF on a weekly basis, and I do hope that this is the start of something cool and new for Mr. Page. Mm. Uh, this was, of course, a card loaded with uh, Owen Hart Cup matches, one in the main event, and one here, it was Powerhouse Hobbs. <laughs> Always think of you whenever I hear his theme. Powerhouse! Uh, against Dustin Rhodes uh, in the quarterfinals. Uh, bad news is they're still doing the QTB bollocks, and so uh, <laughs> Marshall and Harley Cameron are there. He doesn't need you. I mean, yeah. I, I was hoping that was going to be a really quick storyline when they yeah. moved him to Collision, or, you know, more often than not appears on Collision with Powerhouse Hobbs. I was like, fresh start, and I don't need you twats with me, but I'm hoping, Andy, that if he doesn't win the whole thing, that this will be a catalyst, or even if he does, for him moving away from QTV, because, yeah, it's it, you know, I don't, I have not necessarily got an issue with our souls around ring help person win match, I watched WWE for long enough for that. <laughs> but um, not this guy, because look at yeah. him. Yeah, I mean, this whole thing's been a mishit. Uh, this whole this whole angle with Hobbs, unfortunately, I don't know why they didn't just stick with the Book of Hobbs stuff a little bit longer, Yeah, uh, to be honest. Um, and it felt like really early on when he lost the TNT title and he put QT against the wall in one of their segments mm. that that was going to be it and they were going to split away. But it's just taken a little bit too long. And I think... Uh, all involved parties would be better separating from this. Because yeah. Hobbs is a big, scary guy who just destroys people. He doesn't need the goofiness kind of around him. And also, by the same token, if you're doing a more sports entertainment e wacky presentation with, with QT, Harley, Aaron Solo, and Johnny TV, <laughs> as he's now known. Yeah, of course. Yeah, John Hennigan is a far better fit yeah. for that. So I, I do hope this is uh, heading towards the end, finally. I think... He's got Ricky in the next round, hasn't he? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, if he loses to Ricky and it's their fault, that's kind of a really good way to have him just snap on them and, and 
powerbomb QT or spine bust him off the stage or something. Yeah, I think on the on the preview last week I said, oh, I hope that they don't come out with him here or at the semi-final and then at the final, yeah. QT's like, or, you know, wherever he, whenever he goes out, like say if he lost Ricky Stocks in the semis, for example, QT's like, hey, don't worry, buddy, I'm going to corner you for the big, big match and then he yeah. costs him by just being a knobhead. You know what you do? You do that, cost him the match afterwards... QT and whoever's out there put the boots into Ricky because they're so mad. Hobbs lost, blah, blah, blah. Hobbs takes them out because he's yeah. pissed off. You reform Team Taz because he's technically saved Ricky. Hook, oh Hook appears for some reason <laughs> as well. Why not? Like Jungle Boy joins QTV. They, yeah, perfect fit. Perfect fit. It's, uh, it's not exactly a new take. Reform uh, Team Taz, it'll be great. But no, seriously, reform Team Taz, it'll be great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, there was a... There's a spot in this match that I really liked, but it also I was a bit like flummoxed by it, I think is the best way of putting it. So it's, it's Powerhouse Hobbs versus Dustin Rhodes. Uh, Dustin Rhodes, you know, he's, he's, he's getting up there in terms of years. So the last thing he needs is face someone like Powerhouse Hobbs, and that was the story they told. <laughs> yeah. Old man who still got it versus, oh, you don't want to meet this guy yeah. when he's pissed off. Yeah. Um, Rhodes get out of, gets out of a press slam. Uh, like, he, like he needs it, QT Marshall helps by tripping up Dustin Rhodes. Uh, Hobbs just body blocks Dustin as he goes out to the floor. And so QT Marshall sends him into the post and busts him wide you know, open as we go to a break. Hell yeah, brother. When we come back, Hobbs gets a near fall. Dustin makes his fight back. Um, he goes for the spinning power slam, but Hobbs blocks it. Uh, Rhodes counters Hobbs. Manages to hit a crossroads and a pile driver to get a near fall. I didn't quite bite on it, but I thought, bloody hell, he's getting a lot in here. Yeah, for sure. Rhodes hit a code red that looked gnarly, I think is the best way. But I loved it. Yeah. It's one of those ones where I'm not going to go, oh, bit of a, that was a bit botched. Nah, when it looks like that, yeah, kicks yeah, ass. Who cares? Um, Marshall tries to interfere, gets hit with an uppercut, um, and Dustin Rhodes has taken his eyes off the ball, so he turns around into the spine buster from Powerhouse Hobbs, which I think they put this over on commentary. Gets kicked out of, not just kicked out of, I think, for one of the first times I can remember. Kicked out at one. Dustin Rhodes, baby. I love him. It was one of those ones where I was like, oh, okay. I wouldn't, don't know if I'd have used it here. But then again, you know, AEW's got so many tools at their disposal. They don't need to necessarily just ha- need to hang. Dustin Rhodes is the guy who kicked out of <laughs> yeah. the Spinebuster yeah. sort of thing. It's not a hook, is it? It's no. just a thing that happened. Uh, Rhodes hit a spinning power slam finally for a near fall. Goes to the figure four, but Hobbs kicks out of it. Uh, he gets sent into a, a right hand from uh, QT Marshall and stumbles back into another Spinebuster from Hobbs, who gets the pinfall and goes through to the semi-final. Good work. Dustin is... Uh, you can definitely tell watching Dustin that... He's slowing down, yeah. for sure, even from, like, his early days in the AW. And he's spoken about, like, you know, wrapping things up in the not-too-distant future and stuff like that. So it's understandable. He's, uh, how old's Dustin? Mid-50s? Mid-50s? Late-50s? Have a look, shall we? Either way, he's been wrestling since, like, 1986 or something crazy. Well, you so, say, I'm going to say 54. 54. What does the Google machine think? This is 54. 54. I wow. swear I didn't look at that before. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, so, yeah, he's in his mid-50s. He's been through a lot. He's had a lot of wear and tear. It's very understandable. That's not a slight on the man. It's just uh, father time comes for everyone. Yeah. Um, but he's still very effective in the kind of doomed baby face, knows he's going to get killed 
basically. But damn it, <laughs> yeah. he's going to fight with all his heart yeah. while he can. He's just really good in that role. You can use Dustin in this role constantly for as long as he's able mm. to do it. He's a, just a great guy to put someone else over yeah. in this spot. So again, this was just a really good bit of TV business for sure. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure him bleeding provoked a lot of inspiring good faith conversation online. I Ugh. would know because uh, by the time I watched the show, Twitter was still broken. Was uh, your rate limit exceeded, was yeah, it? Yeah, it was. My blood limit was exceeded, <laughs> uh, which is good because it means you can swerve pointless conversations about what grown men do with their bodies um, that are none of our business unless we're the doctor. Yeah, that would piss me off, actually, if I hit one of those rate limit exceeded and I thought, oh, I've wasted all my time reading those tweets. I could yeah. have read, read tweets from Drill or other people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. God, I could have gone on to Fiend's Mind. Yeah, Gator's <laughs> daily you had me reading wrestling takes <laughs> uh jokes aside it was very yeah like i popped for the one count kick out but i always do because uh i'm a tomohiro ishii fan so <laughs> it, get, it gets me every time um i thought hob looks hob, blah, 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 blah. i thought hobbs looked good mm-hmm. i think it was another tidy bit of business on a very tidy show yeah. so far why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Then we got Miro in action against uh, Anthony Henry of the Workhorsemen. They're slowly, you know, uh, not necessarily building up, but uh, giving him slightly slightly more difficult people to murder each week, Miro. (laughs) Um, He uh, actually got a tiny bit of offense in, did Anthony Henry. He uh, caught Miro when he was running at him, hit him with a boot, came off the top with a stomp. And hitting an uh, Enziguri in a series of forearms. This appeared to just piss off Miro more, basically. <laughs> he body blocked him. He hit an Enziguri. Uh, hit the big thrust kick of his. Game over. He gets the submission victory. Good stuff. Yeah, it was. Uh, Anthony Henry, I have been championing for ages and mm, ages yeah. and ages for a bigger role in AEW. And I know they've been on Ring of Honor, the workhorseman. And it's like when JD Drake came in to AEW at first and he was with the wingman and he was doing this goofy thing. And it was like, <laughs> this is quite funny, uh, but this guy's better than this. And uh, I've said the same for Henry. That being said, uh, you face Miro, you're going to get trucked. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, very good, effective, uh, pseudo little squash match here. 
uh, Henry's a badass, like his kicks are really stiff, um, or they sound really stiff. Whatever he is doing, whatever magic he is putting into those, they just they sound awesome and they look awesome. Um, so it's nice to see Miro not just facing local guy number five, instead facing an established indie name who, by the way, is absolutely great. Uh, like if you're if you've only ever watched AEW, if you've only ever watched Anthony Henry through the lens of AEW. Um, you you probably haven't been exposed to how good this guy really yeah. is yet. Like particularly in a heel role, like watch his matches with Adam Priest if you're looking for recommendations from Nerd Murray yeah. uh, over here. Just for a stunning example of of just how gleeful a prick this guy can be, meshed with the hard style. Yeah, I was I was thinking this. Nothing against Kit Morris, but I did only get to see him for like ten seconds before the match started. Whereas I got to have more of a look. Let's say. Uh, whether it be prior to or during the match when it comes to Anthony Henry, because I haven't seen a lot of him, obviously, like you say, for the reasons you just laid out. But looking at him, if I covered up Miro, because he's just a freak with those, what's this bit? Is that lats? Traps. Traps? Yeah. He can (laughs) tell I've never been near a bloody gym. Um, (laughs) So uh, disregarding him, because that's not a fair comparison, I looked at Anthony Henry and I thought, you know what? If he hadn't been introduced as the guy fighting Miro this week, if he'd been built up a little bit, yeah. I could easily see him. Maybe not necessarily as a member of the Workhorsemen, because you know they're not going to win. But if they just said, "Here's a bit of a video package of him like kicking ass," like you say in other promotions, and they brought yeah. him in, and I was like, he could easily be a really entertaining and believable opponent for something like an Orange Cassidy title. He's defense. really good. He's got a really good look as well. Yeah, uh, not, I'm not a body guy because, yeah. well, I've just for the reasons I just laid out about the gym. I can't sit here and go, oh, they need to work more on, uh, I don't know, dips or whatever. <laughs> but I looked at him and I thought, he's got a good body. Yeah, he's a good looking man for sure. Yeah. Uh, and it's an aesthetic business, brother. So like, uh, there's a variety of different looks that work in pro wrestling. His is very handsome. Mm. Um, good match, good fun. Miro looked like a killer again, um, but he showed a little bit of weakness as well. It's the joy of this Miro character. It is so easy to book. Um, He's a monster who smashes dudes, but also you've established through various matches that his neck is a bit dodgy. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if he gets dropped on it, there's a chance he could lose. It gives you an out. It gives you uh, a way of protecting him in Mm -hmm. defeat. it's just great. It's it. You cannot miss with this character. Uh, the, I like the whole godless. You oh know, he's yeah, thrown away as God, thrown away as wife or whatever. <laughs> said that yeah. Didn't they? yeah, yeah. Poor Lana. What she do? What did she, <laughs> CJ Perry do to deserve that? Um, but it's it's fantastic, and I hope this is the start of a prolonged run. Because why was he away for so long? Mm. God's greatest mysteries. He's, my, he's still the guy I'm picking to, to dethrone Orange Cassidy. Yeah, uh, it'd be great as well because the, the established blu- blueprint of Miro, great mid-card champion, is right there. Yeah. Uh, right, it's time for uh, Tony Schiavone's weekly penance. This time, he's, <laughs> this time he's stuck interviewing the Bullet Club gold members, which now include the Gun Club and their awesome new entrance. Oh, my God. I don't think they did it quite here, but no. the, oh, the light in the... I love how the, the music is a bit crap. Yes. Like it's a bit rubbish, and it, but that makes it perfect. It's great. Uh, Tony, anyway, asks what is next for Bullet, Bullet Club Gold ahead of Juice's match, obviously, with Ricky Starks in a sec. Um, Jay White takes the mic and says, Bing, bing, gang's in full force near. Um, <laughs> it's a golden era of Bullet Club. Uh, it's going to continue in a second when Juice wipes the floor with Ricky Starks, uh, and then the guns come in, and they're just... Just unbearable. Um, <laughs> They're great, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> they boast about only tagging for 16 months and in that time winning the tag titles and beating all your favorites and they listed <laughs> them all off. And he's like, oh, that doesn't really count, but okay. Uh, 
they say not only are we the future, we're in fact the present. We're the best tag team in the world. And if you're not down with that, we got two words for you. No, not those two. Guns up. Um, Tony, though, has to inform them at this point, and this does not go down well, that Bullet Club Gold are b- uh, banned from ringside ahead of Juice's match with Ricky Starks. Bing, bing, bing. Uh, Jay's like, who's making all these fucking decisions? Uh, and he <laughs> Sounds like you're Billy Key. <laughs> calls, out, calls out CM Punk. Uh, he says, I've noticed that uh, bag of goodies that you've been carrying around. Why don't you keep that goodie in the bag? Uh, if it is the old heavyweight championship. Um, he also says that FTR has got their attention. Uh, all of Bullet Club Gold's attention. How about you put the titles on the line, FTR, against Jay White and Juice Robinson, and it will be top guys out, guns up. Uh, and then we got a response promo from Punk and these mates in the back. Uh, he's getting having Ricky Starks get his pump on ahead of his match. Uh, he wants to get all the business out of the way. Uh, he says, I see you, Jay White, hiding behind Juice Robinson and your new bodyguards. I don't need bodyguards. I've got friends. Um Cash says, we've proven this is where the big boys play. Dax is ready to fight whenever. They're the best champs. They'll defend the titles whenever sort of thing. Um, and Starks decides to have a little bit of a pop. Uh, having had been able to peek into uh, CM Punk's little bag of goodies. But he says, I wonder what happens, Juice, when you're on your own, one-on-one against me. Well, it's going to be the same as our first encounter with Ricky Starks on top. What do you reckon mm. of this back and forth? It was really good. So yeah. they've, they've created something really good with this uh, Bullet Club Gold deal for sure i know when it when it started off a lot of people who are super high on jay white because he was working new japan as a legitimate main eventer over there were a bit like oh this is a bit mid-card this is a bit yeah. like and and you know reading between the lines when tony khan signed jay white i don't think he expected to sign him like i think he thought that he was on his way to WWE so that when he was able to land JY, he was like, oh God, yeah, ah, I need to find something to do. And maybe that it explains why it perhaps felt a little bit haphazard to, to start with. Mm-hmm. Um, but things like Juice finding him himself a little bit more in yeah. AEW rather than just being like a badass gunslinger type dude, which is what I think he was trying to go for early on. He's just leaned into being a weird guy who shouts, which is a classic (laughs) pro wrestling blueprint. I mean, Randy Savage, for goodness sake, Ric Flair to an extent. Hulk Hogan was a weird guy who shouted. It's very much a cheat code into becoming one of our favorites, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, It's fantastic. Like he's a meme every single week. Um, Shout Ricky! Ricky! Early in the match. He's a freak man. He's a weird guy. And I very much appreciate him. And Gun Club, my God, these these guys are the worst little dorks in the universe. And they're so great. They're so great in this role. They've really mastered the art of being insufferable. Yeah, Like, they're the perfect kind of mid-card-ish future, upper-card-ish mm-hmm. tag team heel unit. They are completely detestable. There's nothing likable about them whatsoever. The new ring entrance is sensational. Yes. The presentation is on point. They over-delivered versus the Hardys the other week. Uh, and the, the Hardys are by no guarantee a great match these mm-hmm. days, just because of what their bodies have been through over the years, of course. Um, and feuding with CM Punk is going to do great things for Jay White. This is just great. Like, yeah. you know, the more we talk about this wrestling show... It's like maybe it doesn't have this incredible GIF match or whatever. It's just incredibly solid, though. Yes. And like, it, is it the A show yet? I don't know. I don't know. We're only three weeks in. Probably a bit early. Just to, a nice alternative, isn't it? Like you say, yeah. rather than rather than as much as I, you know, enjoyed Rampage in the early beginnings. 
rather than it, be, it that just felt like what if dynamite was three hours but you just did the next hour yeah. a different night so the crowd weren't as burnt out yeah for... and then it kind of turned into like ring of honor mm. dark elevation towards the end collisions really Decent so far, and uh, this is just another really effective angle between a group of people. I like to see on Punk's line about getting the title from shopaw.com. <laughs> that was quite that was quite funny. Poor Max. Uh, Ricky Starks versus Juice Robinson, though. Uh, quarterfinal match to see who, good luck, faces powerhouse Hobbs in the semifinals. <laughs> um, Juice Robinson gets Starks with a nice drop down early on, and that trips him up, and he goes face first into the middle rope. That must have sucked. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robinson targets Starks' legs, and slams him legs first into the ropes. That takes us to a break. Come back, Juice is hitting a cannonball. Starks starts making his comeback, though. Uh, he hits a DDT. Kip up, but oh, the bloody knee still not great. Um, Snake Eyes and a Tornado DDT got a two count, but Robinson countered the hanging DDT with a hot shot uh, and hit a leg lariat for a two count for himself. Puts him in the Texas Cloverleaf. Um, Starks gets to the ropes. Uh, Robinson almost gets the win with a uh, pinfall with a handful of tights. Starks comes back with a huge uh, high-angle back suplex. Starks blocks a hurricane run off the top from Robinson uh, by holding onto the ropes. He misses a dive off the top, though. Robinson hits him with a spear. Um, goes, oh, he got a two count. Goes for his inverted DDT, but Starks counters. And he hits a spear. Goes for the Rochambeau. Robinson escapes, but Starks just rolls him up with a jackknife cover to get the one, two, three. It looks like Bullet Club Gold uh, are going to come in afterwards and attack Starks. But here comes CM Punk and his mates to make the save to, mm. an, as always, intriguing reaction. Like, yeah, yay, FTR, oh, CM Punk's Ooh. here. <laughs> Only a certain proportion. It was, you yeah. know, it was very much... So split down the middle. Cena-esque. Oh, he's dividing yeah. this audience. So split down the middle, but in a way that doesn't feel like a problem at all. It's really good. Um, I'm not looking forward to whatever tedious discussions about... Uh, come forward. That'll come. Don't worry. Yes. Don't worry. It'll come. Uh, he's got to work with Jay White first. Jay White can be the baby face. No. Come on. Um, good match. Maybe... Uh, I don't know if it needed 15 minutes. Like, these are very talented pro wrestlers, and he had a very good match. But yeah. uh, uh, maybe got a little bit long in the tooth towards the end. I don't mm. have any particular insight on this one, to be perfectly honest with you. It was just a good match. I, was, I have a good question I was going to ask you, though, because um, I know this is something that's bothered Hamflet before on WWE shows, and I, I don't know whether it's uh, just personal taste sort of thing or what, or whether you t- think it's a bigger thing of there needs to be more discussions backstage in terms of who does what in each match. Did it... Well, did it bother you that there was more leg stuff here, nah. having seen leg stuff earlier on in the Ethan Page match? Nah, I don't really care. Uh, to be honest, I, I, as long as it's not gratuitous and we're not seeing like a ref bump in every match yeah. or whatever, whatever. I don't mind a bit of repetition. It's pro wrestling. You know, there are varieties of different stories you can tell, but a lot of them re- revolve around the same thing, working a body part. So I really don't mind. Uh, maybe it would have been a bit more effective if one of them had worked an arm. Um, MGF working the leg makes sense because of the dragon screw yes. stuff uh, and everything else. But I don't care. <laughs> <Fair> <laughs> like it doesn't impact my enjoyment no. of the product to have two similarly formatted matches on the show. If it was like, if Ricky Starks was out there doing dragon screws, then we could, then it would be more of a problem. But like, if it's not specifically identical, I genuinely don't care. Uh, Lexi Nair is desperate to ask Christian Cage and TNT champion Luchasaurus about what's going on with the title because Cage has got it over his shoulder and Luchasaurus won the match. Uh, But Sean Spears wants to talk to the champion 
uh, and uh, goes to talk to Luchasaurus. Christian Cage steps in front of him and says, then talk to the champ. Um, Cage says, look, unless you're dangerous, I'm not really scared of you, and you're Sean Spears, so you're not dangerous. Why don't you walk away? Um, Spears says, everyone is capable of being dangerous. You just need to meet the right person. And he heads off whilst Luchasaurus seethes about all this, basically. Uh, I don't know what the tease was necessarily with Sean Spears. There was a bit where, I, for a split second, I thought, is Sean Spears going to align himself with Christian Cage here? Um, but I don't think that's the case. I assume it's a TNT Championship match uh, down the line, whether it be for you know a collision or a dynamite or, or whatever. Um, we're still no closer to finding out what earth's going on with that TNT championship and who technically I just looked <laughs> on AW's website and technically Luchasaurus is the TNT champion, but we don't know what, what's going on. What's going on guys. Uh, I am quite into this to be honest with you. Uh, I didn't got Christian cage in it. So yeah, yeah. I didn't think the pay-per-view match was much to shout about the Wardlow match, but, and, and, the passing of the belt, like it, it's been hot potatoed into the pit of the abyss. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of wish that they would get back on track with it. I think that we've been asking for that through various reigns. I know Wardlow has lost the TNT title three times since Orange Cassidy became international wow. champion once. So there's definitely something they need to look at with the belt for sure. But... I think this angle is pretty straightforward to me. At least I think that it's just Christian's being an overbearing asshole and taking credit. Yes. He's kind of doing what he did when Edge won King of the Ring back in the day when he was coming down with the trophy and being like, yeah, I'm the guy, I'm yeah, the guy yeah. with the massive sh- massive shades and when he got that wonderful bring back. Yeah. Oh, uh, bring, bring waterproof, water, waterproof blonde back Ooh. as well with the, just close your eyes, why not? Um, it's fun, it's fun. Like, Christian's just being a dick, and he's taking credit. It's leading, of course, to Luchasaurus realizing that he's being a dick and manipulating him and taking credit for his work, and they'll probably have a match down the line. Um, Sean Spears, bring him in. You're in Canada for a few weeks. Bring him back into the loop. Why the hell not? I'm kind of into this. I think it's fun mid-card stuff. I got another title match next. It was the TBS Championship on the line. Chris Statlander defending against Lady Frost. Uh, We're reminded on commentary of Lady Frost's family legacy. Uh, her grandfather was a tag team partner of Bruno Sammartino. Um, bit of high flying from uh, Frost, uh, but she manages to immediately, not immediately, but early on in the match, flip straight into a forearm from Chris Statlander, uh, and she goes for a Casador and just gets suplexed. Go to a break, come back. Frost gets some offense in after ducking a kick. She hit a German suplex, counters a tombstone, and gets a near fall off a spinning DDT. Uh, but Chris, Chris Statlander you know, she's made a sterner stuff, nails her with a clothesline, hits her with the Saturday Night Fever, gets the pinfall, one, two, three. Uh, Chris Statlander retains the AEW TBS Championship. Um, not that it was in that much of a danger here, Andy. No, it's a, the title reign kind of continues much like Jade started uh, with just different matches, shorter television matches mm-hmm. against a variety of different opponents. Uh, but it's a bit of a different flavor because Chris is obviously a better wrestler than Jade. Jade yeah. is great at so many levels of this art, but Chris is like one of the best wrestlers in the entire yeah. company. So um, it's nice watching her back in action every single week. It's nice seeing her wrestle so often because she was gone yes. for so long. Yes. So it's cool to see her kind of picking up steam. Uh, I'm looking forward to the first kind of substantial like 10, 15 minute or pay-per-view level match 
that we get from her. I'm not sure who that'll be against, um, but she's kind of buzzing through uh, like Lady Frost uh, of Impact previously yeah, yeah. and like the indies and stuff. Very good wrestler, good character. Uh, she's beaten Taya. Just looking forward to seeing what's next. I'd like to see Chris... Uh, Chris's next big match to be like a more competitive affair for uh-huh. sure. Uh, but these are just good workouts. And yeah, it's really nice having her back. Uh, the division missed her a lot. Yes, without question. Uh, Andrade El Idolo is furious that the House of Black has stolen his mask and he's demanding <laughs> that they give it back. And then they gripped the television behind him. Actually, it was a Chromecast, sir. Mal- Malachi Black just loaded up his phone, <laughs> cast screen. It's fine. Uh, Malachi says, yeah, the mask you'll get back in. Uh, uh, all in good time. Elidolo did not like this news. Uh, yeah, yeah. So the mask, you know, masks are sacred in Mexican wrestling. Uh, so that's why it's given extra meaning. It's not like they just stole his, like, toy car or something <laughs> like that, you know. Uh, eagerly anticipating the blow-off match, which will kick Gosh, major yeah. amounts of ass. I do hope. I understand why they've kept him away from La Facción and Gobernable so far, because, like, Andrade's been a bit baby-faced-ish since he came mm-hmm, back. Mm-hmm. And... Rush is not a baby face. He's a prick. He's great. I love him. Uh, I hope that that's the match, though, because that would be seriously awesome. Yes. Uh, Main event time, then. Samoa Joe versus Roderick Strong uh, to see who faces CM Punk in the semifinals of the Owen Hart Cup. Uh, CM Punk comes out to do commentary here and yet again gets a mixed reaction. Um, but the story of this match was Samoa Joe is back to his killer best. They had referenced, obviously, their matches uh, in Ring of Honor in a little video earlier on in the night. And, yeah, I love Roderick Strong, and I have no doubt that he could probably gas me out, just show me how to run the ropes in about 30 seconds. I look at Roderick Strong and get gassed out, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, and you could sort of tell his strategy was, yeah, try and drag Joe into deeper water because Joe's a monster. But to get there, you still have to have a match with Joe. And Roderick Strong, at least now, at least currently in this version of his character, is not someone who could just run away from Joe. No. So he tried his bloody hardest, but he'd hit like four or five punches or whatever it may be on Joe. And Joe would just do one forearm back and knock him off his feet. Um, He uh, managed to get Joe out to the floor with a drop kick. And again... Hit him, hit him, hit him. And then I think Strong got hit with one chop and was like, oh, all right, mate. Yeah, similar to uh, Whilst CM Punk is putting them both over brilliantly, I thought, on commentary because um, they were trying to get him to pick one or the other. And he was like, well, they both are terrifying propositions, but I've obviously got more of a history with, with Joe or more of a uh, anticipated legacy match, let's say, with Joe. Um, so Strong, yeah, just trying to slow Joe down. Chin lock, Joe gets out of that. Hits him with a back elbow and knocks about three teeth out. Um, he got hit with a urinagi, did uh, Roderick Strong as he charged at Joe, uh, who takes over for the split screen break. When we come back, Strong gets a near fall after a big knee, uh, goes for a backbreaker, but Joe's like, I'm not having any of that, and hits a reverse atomic drop, a running boot, and a sent on for a two count. Uh, I think this is the point in my commentary where CM Punk called, <laughs> called fans of this show colliders. Yeah. <laughs> And they want to see him fight Samoa Joe. Colliders. He uh, then witnesses Strong make a comeback, whilst the crowd chant for CM Punk. <laughs> um, clotheslines, desperately trying to, you know, running, flying clotheslines, trying to knock Joe off his feet. He eventually did that with a, with a uh, drop kick. Um, but uh, then Mahasta hit him with a backbreaker, which must have 
knacked on his knee uh, and a running boot for a near fall. Um, he hit an Olympic slam, which looked awesome for a, for another two count. Um, went for a suplex, but Joe, Joe counted and they collapsed into the coquina clutch. There's no getting out of that one. Roderick Strong gets choked out. The referee stops the match before we get a submission or anything like that. So we will get CM Punk versus Samoa Joe in the other semi-final. Uh, and Nigel McGuinness, very kindly for uh, Phil on commentary, reminds him that he's never beaten Joe in a one-on-one match. <laughs> so post-match, it looks like maybe... But Nigel has. Yeah. There you go. Joe, it looks Nigel like... Nigel versus Punk, Wembley, confirmed. Oh, my Sorry. God. Yes, please. <laughs> um, it looks like Joe's maybe going to go after Punk. They've given each other looks, and yeah. he grabs a chair and all that, and feels like, I can grab a chair. <laughs> right. I got a chair, too. Here comes all the referees and security, yeah. and you think, oh, thank goodness. Danger's been averted, and uh, Joe did this brilliantly, because he was like, hey, yeah, yeah, all right, I'm not going to do it. You know, yeah. In fact, I'll just, I'll just chuck the chair in the ring so you know I'm not going to use it. By everybody. Up, oh, doubles back, dies in the ring, grabs uh, Roderick Strong, slams his... I mean, he's, I think he's just woken back up. He's like, what's happening? And he immediately <laughs> got picked up and slammed onto the chair by uh, Samoa Joe. He hospitalizes Roderick Strong. Uh, Adam Cole runs out to check on him. The medical team put the collar and put him on the board and all Bing. that. And there's a, a nice... I don't know. I was... No offense to Roderick Strong. And get well soon, obviously. Um, but all I could k- k- keep my eyes on here was the dynamic between Cole and CM Punk. Yeah, The little yeah. side glances, yeah, the little... They, they know what uh, they're doing. But, um, yeah, your thoughts on everything here, the match and then the subsequent hospitalization. Yeah, it was great. It was... Uh, the whole package was great. I'm really enjoying... On every single AEW show, it feels for, like, the past two or three weeks, there's been, like, a tough and hard fight club yeah. match where, where it's just too, like bellicose, scary men kicking hell out of each other. Yeah. Um, I hope the streak continues because that is exactly catered to my tastes. Uh, <laughs> Joe is still great. Samoa Joe, I think, like, the biggest, for me, one of the biggest false narratives in wrestling over the past, I don't know, like 10 years has been the decline, the perceived decline of mm. Samoa Joe. He's not physically what he was anymore. He's not as quick. Like, he's obviously not as, you know, nipping around the ring, he's not flying all over the place like he used to, right? Because he's had a long career, and wrestling is tough. And we've all seen that clip of him on the concrete steps in TNA. Yes, sir. He's done, he's taken a lot of bumps like that over the years. He's got a bump card like everyone else. Um, But I think that this might be, it's one of the most overstated things. Some people will speak like Samoa Joe is like completely trashed. Like he's just done. Like he's a shadow of the wrestler he used to be. And he's not the wrestler he used to be. The wrestler he used to be was one of the best in the world. But he's still bloody awesome when he's played in the right situation against the right opponent, which is exactly what this was. Uh, Joe still has the killer aura, the killer presence. He know, he still knows exactly what to do at precisely the right moments to make himself look like the most dangerous man alive, even at this advanced stage in his career. And um, it's really cool, like 20 years or whatever removed from the first Punk match, to see him still in this role on TV, in this prominent position, like a total badass, setting up another match with a guy he hasn't worked one-on-one in 18 years. Mm. It's just cool. It's nice. It's why I'm glad AEW exists, because of stuff like this. Yeah. And, like, as a total package, so coming out of this, obviously the match was awesome, and it's, like, a really interesting clash of styles because Roddy works so fast. <laughs> like, he's crazy. Yes. Um, 
but afterwards, the angle. Okay, so you, Joe and Punk already doesn't need any more juice. No. It's got like flipping 20 years of it, right? <laughs> Saved up. Doesn't need anything else, but they gave you something else because why the hell not? Yeah. By having him kill Roddy afterwards and then Punk comes in and all that stuff. So that's more ill feeling between the two. You can do a Joe versus Roddy rematch now because he just beat him up for no reason, like an asshole, to make an example out of him. You can do a Joe versus Cole coming out of this now yeah. as well because Cole was there. Um, also, you can do Punk versus Cole from the side-eye stuff that yeah. was going on. Um, later on, if Punk falls out with Cole, you can do Punk versus Roddy as well, and you can use this as some kind of fuel, even though he was coming to his aid. There's a way you can twist that. You can do Punk and Joe as a tag team versus <laughs> yes. Roddy and Cole. There's so many possibilities coming out of this. It was just an incredibly, uh, borrow the great man's word, deft piece of television yeah. across the board. And... Um, Fantastic, just a fantastically well-booked and executed run of 20 minutes or so. Yeah, great way to end this show, I thought. And uh, yeah, hell of a hook for, as Andy said, so many things going forward. But most importantly, Joe versus Punk 4? Yep. 5, <sighs> 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. <laughs> I think they've had matches elsewhere, maybe. I, I don't know, I'm an idiot. Yeah. But the, the classic trilogy, Ring of Honor. So excited for that. Anyway, let us know your thoughts on that and uh, everything on this show on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. At Watch Day, you can follow both of us. You can follow Andy Murray at... At Andy H. Murray. The H stands for... <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from. For daily wrestling podcasts, you can go and check out the Money in the Bank review with me and Hamlet a little bit earlier on today. And me and Hamlet will be back later on to look ahead to tonight's episode of Monday Night Raw. But for now, this has been the AW Collision Review. My thanks to Andy Murray. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.